Hey guys, just wanted to go over some of the key points you're going to be hearing in the next hour or so. Um, my interview with Anne Leduc. She was 38 when she began um, began feeling pain in her body, which is really um, really rare. I haven't heard of that before. It's really quite late in life. It's quite interesting. She was um, a triathlon athlete before symptoms began. Um, which I also thought was really interesting. She didn't have the marker for HLA B27, though experienced, you know, all the. Her, she was diagnosed by a rheumatologist, which is, which is common. I, the more you know, more people I talk to, it, it definitely happens. I mean, that uh, you can exhibit all kinds of symptoms and not be H, HLA B27 positive. So, um, her um. She had a strong reaction to sulfazalazine um, when she first began taking drugs, um, phar- pharmaceuticals. <laughs> uh, she was switched over to biologics quite quickly. She spent four years on biologics. Uh, she met up with, uh, she started looking into um, into no starch diet. She uh, experienced that for quite some time and really didn't enjoy it. She was happy to... Um, meet and hear from or hear about Peter Winslow, found him on the internet and um, and began her journey delving deep into the mind-body connection and uh, experiencing all kinds of uh, relief. She is now off all medication, which I think is it's so exciting when I hear about someone who is off biologics and or, or moving in that direction. Um, you know, not that that's any marker for, or accomplishment or anything like that. It, yeah, I just think it's pretty amazing. And you know, if you're listening, you you probably have an appreciation for that too. Anyway, really, really excited for her. Um, we talk about the importance and the advantages of having a guide or a coach, which I I agree with. Some folks can plow through this and have incredible. Uh, relief and recovery remission without any kind of guidance uh, so it's it's quite rare only talk to I think one person who two people who have um, who have accomplished this um, not that it's any kind of uh, competition or anything it's just just rarer and uh, f- certainly for me it was an incredible help to have um, a coach and a guide and um, it's certainly something that I'm very interested in doing and helping other people out and one-on-one or or um, in group in a group setting I just believe in this work so much and I've had such a big change um, and all naturally so <laughs> you know naturally is a is a big thing for me uh we also discuss what rheumatologist, uh, what her rheumatologist um, said when she no longer wanted to take biologics. Uh, it was a very positive um, interaction with the rheumatologist. She had a really po- a great rheumatologist, it sounds like. Um, and uh, rheumatologist also talks about, talked to her about which of her patients are doing the best and why they're doing well. You know, I thought that was really interesting. That's certainly a conversation I haven't ever had or didn't have with um, my 
with the rheumatologist I was seeing. Um, anyway, guys, I really, really hope you enjoy this one. I had a great time interviewing and re-listening to it. Uh, and again, look, at my, my email is in the show notes. If you guys are interested, reach out to me and um, let's start a dialogue. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. That's where I am now. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to really sort of dive into talking to people and, and um, making myself available, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to talk to anyone for free the first time. And, and then if, if we were to continue just talking, then, you know, perhaps we'd figure out something that worked for us both just to, uh, you know, make it, make it uh, sustainable and, and possible to continue on and um and uh, i'm really looking forward to that i'm ready to talk to people and i've learned a lot and i uh i wish you guys all the best and and enjoy this podcast okay bye-bye hey are we record we're recording okay yeah (laughs) hi there everybody Um, how are you doing, Anne? Good to see you. I'm doing good today. Good, great. We've already been talking for like 10 minutes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, welcome, welcome to this podcast. It's been a little while since I've, uh, produced a podcast, so it's really great to be here with you, and, um, this is really a celebration of, of your, um, your new life, your new lease on life, and it's a celebration to, I guess, the both of us. Uh, that we get to create a podcast of this nature and and reach reach people who may be curious about uh, what it is that that we've done and who we learned from and all this stuff. So uh, I'm just gonna do a little intro about yeah. you. Perfect. Um, Anne Leduc. She's 50 years old. She was born in Montreal, Canada. She got a bachelor in business administration from the University of Montreal. Uh, Often when she was growing up, she had anxiety and odd health issues, as did I and probably a lot of folks listening, very common. Um, She moved to the U.S., she got married and then divorced, and now she's met the man of her life, uh, of her love of her life, and she's getting married on Friday. So this Friday, two days from now, so that's really (laughs) exciting. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we should just dive right in there. And um, I think um, let's let people know kind of a little bit about where you're coming from, like your history, the person you were before AS came along, mm-hmm. your di- before your diagnosis. Sure. Um I know. I'm sure for everybody, that's that's kind of the loaded question of, you know, as as you go, how did I get here? How did this happen? Um, but you know, I grew up as fairly shy as a child, and um, grew up in both French culture and English culture, and in Quebec being bilingual, so I have French and English as my background. And there was always, you know, some political battles going on about so it was it was an interesting uh way to to grow up i'm sure most everyone around the world experiences that at some point too some strong political stuff 
including what's going on in the United States right now. So it's it's not um, it's not a new experience for me, but it's one that I not real happy have to go through again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, growing up, I think I always and I I never realized this till quite frankly in the last year or two of of you know some of the anxieties I had as a child. I had my mom was um, very sick as a child and passed away when I was when I was young and that um, really influenced my life a lot because then I had to be flexible. I had to be, you know, a good kid and make sure to keep everybody happy. So I, I very much took on that responsibility of, of being a people pleaser, um, which, you know, which you as well, as I know now, um, you kind of lose yourself a little bit in that and making others happy. So you're, you know, you put yourself second. Um, and, you know, kind of always grew up with like digestive issues, with headaches, um, trouble sleeping, that kind of thing. And, but, you know, it was just, to me, it was just how I was. It was no big deal. So it was no big, you know, nothing to be concerned about, nothing to research. Although the food part, and the digestive issues, I was always very, very food sensitive with, you know, eating healthy and having a good nutrition, good diet. So I was mm. very nutritionally conscious. Um, and I think having a little bit of a European style upbringing um, with the French culture is that you're always a little bit sensitive to not so much mindfulness, but like natural therapies and things like that. So so I think um, I always had that structure to know that there's there's more to feeling well into being um a healthy human being than um you know just taking medicines and stuff like that right um so growing up so i went to school did my degrees just as expected went into business school um you know, and, and I grew up in a fairly negative family. Um, there's definitely a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, crabbiness, <laughs> selfishness, okay. crabbiness, that kind of thing. And I was just this like happy little girl kind of bouncing around, riding my bicycle in the streets and um, being outside. I'm very outdoorsy um, and always was fairly athletic, even though I really did never did compete in anything till um till I lived in the United States. And um so I had an opportunity to move to the US with my French background to work for a company handling clients that were French speaking. So um so I moved to Kansas City, which I love. I'm still here twenty seven years later. And um I don't miss the snow in the ice. <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah. don't miss winter at all. So I, I really like it here. You still have all four seasons. and um, But went through, you know, went through a couple of different jobs. Um, you know, met my husband at the time. And um, by a weird coincidence of events, we're kind of planning on, on getting married, but was losing my work visa. So we got married a lot faster <laughs> okay. than, than planned. Um, but you know, had, had a, a decent marriage, although, um, I think one of the things I mentioned too is, is I think the family atmosphere that I grew up when was with my stepmom when my dad remarried, um, was that she was, you know, fairly, 
Um, I kind of, well, I wouldn't say she's a narcissist, but she has definitely narcissistic tendencies. So it's kind of all about her and she's always right and very pushed down. Um, and so, you know, I, I ran away from home a little bit and stayed in the United States when I got the opportunity to move here and, um, and then married that again. So here I was in the manipulative, um, relationship. And so, you know, most of the issues I had at the time too, again, with digestive issues, with headaches, um, I did find a therapist at the time and did some um, hypnotherapy. Um, so that was interesting. I, I felt like I had dealt with my issues at that point and, you know, managed to, to move through that and, you know, start a life of, uh, you know, a nice future and build a family and all that stuff, which none of that happened. (laughs) So, so moved along on that, got divorced. Um, But at the time too, I started getting into triathlon. So I did a lot of, uh, I was very, very active. I'm very much of an endurance athlete. Um, I have a lot of energy, a lot of output. um, And so that was a really good sport to ground me, to keep me calm um and yeah so but you know as i got divorced um as kind of reared its ugly head i was starting to have back problems i was that was the first time you started feeling back problems during the divorce yeah it it was um the year i got divorced i actually lost my job too because the economy was really bad i lost my job i got divorced i moved um a lot of really, really major big stressors, um, and I and that was also a year I I completed my third Ironman. <laughs> Whoa! Oh so, wow! You were doing Ironmans! Holy yeah. cow! So you were a yeah. serious athlete. I, yeah, okay. I, I wasn't like wow. the winning, you know, like sure. coming in first place kind of thing. But I never really cared about that. To me, it was always about improving myself against myself, and so. Um, but of course I, I realize that now that, uh, some of that was definitely that I was out to prove something, you know, to prove that I am good enough. I am, um, worthy. I am. So, you know, a lot of what we talk about in mindfulness too, is your, I am your central core, who you are, um, And that there's always this nagging little ego voice behind your in the back of your head that's like, no, you're not worthy. You're not good enough, that kind of thing. And so so that's, you know, you compensate for that. Or I shouldn't say you. I compensate for it Um, as humans. That's that's I think what a lot of us do is we ignore all of that and we just try to overcome it. Um, So it's definitely what I did. And so um, I started having back problems and started doing like physical therapy and, um, you know, just always staying active, but definitely my level of activity got worse and worse because the pain just got getting worse and worse. Um, until, you know, I was, had cortisone injections that didn't make me feel better, you know, taking medications didn't make me feel better. So what kind of medications were you taking? Um, at the time I was just doing a leave. I was just doing, cause I, I can't tolerate pain meds at all. Like that oh. makes me really nauseous and sick. And so, I NSAIDs. yeah, so I was doing NSAIDs a lot, which eventually ruined my stomach. But. Mm-hmm. Right. 
How yeah. old were you? How old were you when you were divorced and lost your job? All this was happening. You started feeling um, pain. I was 38, 38, 39 was 38 when it started. Yeah, that is so late. I the latest person I, <laughs> I've met that, that oh, started crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, wow, and of course, really as, as a woman, too, like they tend to ignore all of that. And you go to the pain management doctor and they're like, cortisone, cortisone. Oh. And until I just was in tears in the office with the, the, the doctor and I was like, look, you know, I eat well, I don't smoke, I don't hardly drink, I exercise, like I do everything right. Like, why am I still in so much pain? There has to be something different. There's something we're missing. There's something we're overlooking. So start the whole barrage of tests and analysis and x-rays and MRIs and that kind of thing. And finally, one day she was like, oh, maybe you need to go see a rheumatologist. And she was very specific about which rheumatologist to go see, um, who is a little bit more open minded than most doctors, because none of my test results came back saying that I had AS. I didn't have I had high inflammation markers, but I had nothing else um, genetically that said that I was no um, HLA B27. Right. I was going to say, what was that one again? The right. HLA, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't have any of that, but I still had a lot of pain. And so I actually went to a different rheumatologist to start doing all the testing because the one that I needed to go into was really um, she's in high demand. So it takes a long time to get in to see her. And um, that first rheumatologist completely rolled it out. She's like, yep, none of your test results come back, you know, and she was like, you're crazy for trying to ride your bike more than 10 miles. Like, that's insane. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I've done a lot more than that. <laughs> so she was just not on board and just kind of completely dismissed me. And um you know, so I was like, oh, well, I got test results out of her and moved on to the other rheumatologist who was much more like, you know, listening to me and my experience and um, the inflammation. And, and, you know, even now there's a lot of misconceptions about you have to see it on x-rays. You have to have the markers. You have to um, have all these very specific things. And and as women, too, we tend to be ignored on that. And so I had a lot of, oh, it's in your head and you're just, you know, you really need to be on antidepressants and that'll fix you and all that. And I was very dead set against doing antidepressants. I've never I think they're very good for, you know, for people as temporary solutions to people who are depressive. But I'm like, I've never felt like I was a depressive person. I was always a happy positive outgoing like to me a depressive person is someone who can't get out of bed is just really down you know you have this like loss of hope there's just this real bleak dark part and and I've never felt like that I've always felt you know that I had a lot to live for that there is always hope there's always something you know I will find a way to fix what's wrong with me um, so I went through, you know, finally with the rheumatologist, we went through a whole slew of medications there too. And it was like, you know, I started with sulfasalazine and I had massive allergic reactions to that. So that was bad. Um, and then, you know, started with the injections and tried like three different kinds of injections. And I just was like, 
like never feeling better, never feeling like I was going to be back to myself. Um, were, were the injections biologics? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I did, um, I think I started with Humira and then I went to Embril and then with Cosentix. Um, uh-huh. And it so. Without the big guns. I know, right? <laughs> I just was like, there has to be more to life than this. It was just crazy. Um, and, you know, but through, you know, through desperation, you kind of search for that source of hope and that source of truth and, um, you know, find your source and get to your source of what's causing this and, you know, found the, you know, the uh, low starch diets, you know, like you're in these AS groups and it was so dark and depressing and suicidal. It was like, Oh my God, this is awful. I mean, you feel like you've reached a death sentence when you get into some of these groups and um, it's going to be a miserable life and you'll be disabled and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I don't like, I don't want this, you know, like it's so negative and so bad. And so then there's always this little like champion of light somewhere in there that says, you can feel better if you do this diet, you can feel better if you do this. And so, so I honed in on that and started researching it and saw people who've cured themselves, who've, you know, rehabbed themselves and all that. And so, you know, I started doing that. Um, so unfortunately with doing a very restrictive diet, it, you know, at that point I was having like leaky gut and just all that awfulness that goes with it. Um, and I just got skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And I'm sure most most people hearing this will relate to that, that we just kind of go through this this process. Yeah. Where you, like dwindle down to, you know, not much. I, I, and, I got down to 108 pounds. <gasps> did you really? Oh, my <laughs> yeah, gosh. It was so skinny. That's bad. I, like, I, I lost so much weight. Anyway, go on. Yeah. yeah. You're losing weight. Yeah. And I, um, I think I went down to like, and I, I mean, I've never been big or overweight or anything like that, but I went down to, I think like 118, 115, maybe at my, my smallest. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, but not unhealthy. So like all of my markers, like all of your normal, you know, if you're this height and this age and da da da, you should be. So I was still hitting all my marks, but everyone was like, "Oh my God, you look like death warmed over." And it was they're very concerned, and it was really it was really concerning for my friends and my family and all that. And I had, you know, it just was getting really bad. And I got down to the point where I I figured out that. um candida was a really big issue for me so like so it was still again it was the core is still the digestion and so I went desperate was like sugar-free no alcohol no anything for a month and uh, and at that point I started having a spark and then that's also a point where I started meditating looking for mindfulness because I was like this is not maintainable like I cannot you know I can't not I can't eat like this for the rest of my life I like I'm French I like food you know like I want cheese and bread and cake (laughs) and like in moderation of course but still 
Um, so, you know, so as I'm going through all of this, I, I started exploring the mindfulness and then through the, the groups, like the low starch groups, um, on Facebook, which is, you know, which is still a, a real positive, um, out, you know, helpful group and, and all that. And then someone had posted something about mindfulness and in Peter, and that's how I got to, you know, to Peter Winslow, um, and started doing more like the AS recovery and, you know, in, in right about that same time I, and throughout all of this, I've also had, um, consistent, um, now we call it performance training, but it's physical therapy. Um, so I've had a really good support system with my PT that, you know, they were always very encouraging and, you know, just when you're at your worst and you're like, what's wrong with me and I'm not making this up and this isn't in my head. And they were very supportive of, you know, no, your pain is very real and don't let people talk to you like that. And so it was really a lifeline for me to have that support because, you know, friends was, you know, your friends try to be supportive, but they, they don't know, you know, they don't know what you're going through and they don't know. Um, so I've definitely, you know, gained and lost friends over all of this. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of the, the course of life. There's people come and go and that's yeah. part of it. Um, so, so, so you're talking about your physical trainer, your, your physiotherapist. Yeah. That so you were the, working with. Oh, yeah. That's great. You the, had one. Yeah. And, you know, they keep me moving. They pop things and stretch things and, you know, gave me exercises to focus on to keep me, you know, progressing um, and not get so atrophied because I really, I mean, the pain was so bad. I just stopped. I stopped doing any kind of exercise. I just would walk. But um, where really, was the pain in your body? Um, for me, it's mostly my lower back. I call it the axis of evil. <laughs> it, it's my little pet name for it because it was literally like a, an X, like, so it'd be a shoulder, another shoulder, a neck, a spine, a low back part, the right side, the left side, you know, the central torso area. And so it was very centralized into, you know, from the neck to the, the, um, pelvis really. Um, so really the complete spine, <laughs> the mm -hmm. whole thing. All day. Uh, yeah. Um, some peripheral and like hands and things like that, but not very much. Um, so that was a lot of it. I've even throughout a, before it got really bad before I hit my worst part, I actually did have, um, neck surgery i've had um wow one of my discs went completely flat one day and so i had to have almost emergency um laminectomy is what they call it so they went and they kind of cut a little piece off and made a hole um so that my spine wouldn't be so compressed and everything at that point but was that as related um, they, they all claim that it wasn't, that it was really more osteoarthritis or what do they call it? Um, degenerative disc disease. Um, and, and even the rheumatologist was like, no, that's not really AS related because it's in your neck. Um, but it was really, I mean, looking back, it really was inflammation. It was rampant inflammation in my body. Nah. And that's where neck, it yeah. to. Yeah. And that's very common. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was 
it was just kind of treated as like, oh, well, that's weird. Okay, let's go fix it and move along. Um, Yeah. And that's, you know, to me, that's, that's a really big issue with modern medicine is they tend to treat the one thing and not the whole picture. Um, Mm -hmm. So I also had like a naturopath that I started going to, to help me with the digestive issues. And um, cause GI doctors have been really useless. <laughs> they just want to, they just want to make money off of you. They want to run a million tests and they really have no answers. They don't know anything about eating well and diet and exercise and all that. They just want to give you a bunch of pills and it's like, okay, well that's not going to help me in the long run. It'll help me now, but, um, it's not a long-term solution. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got here. Um, so I started doing the AS recovery challenge with Peter and through the group, um, was very, how long, in- how long ago was that? Um, that you, about, uh, about a year ago. So right, that you found Peter Winslow through the, um, through the site, through the group. Yep. Someone that posted it, and then so, what was it that that um, caught your attention or made you realize that this was something that you wanted to invest your time and cash into? Um, that's a really good question. I I feel like a little bit. I think having done hypnotherapy before and knowing how powerful your mind is. Um, and just realizing too, like how much meditation really does help. Um, and at that point, you know, other people had been saying this really helps and there's a mind body connection. And then my PT was also talking to me about neuroplasticity. So they were, they're very, you know, I always think it's kind of funny because everyone thinks Kansas city is the middle of the U S it's a little backwards. And I'm like, We have some really cutting edge, cutting edge, cutting edge technology, mind, you know, techniques out here, too. Um, And so I was very lucky to have, like, really great resources that were open-minded and willing to try things. So they, you know, as far as PT goes, you know, they're, you know, they're hands-on and they talk to me about neuroplasticity and how your mind's important and your body connection and all that, which is not usually what PTs do. (laughs) And so, so right at that same time is when, you know, finding out about Peter and, um, and he talks about neuroplasticity and even on his website, he talks about, you know, retraining your brain and, you know, changing the focus on your, you know, your brain just, starts focusing on a certain way of doing things and how you can retrain it to focus on different things. Um, so I was very curious about that because of course at that point too, I was desperate. <laughs> it was like a last resort, you know, you're just right. like, there has to be better. There has to be a better life. There has to be something out there. Um, and again, like just seeing that some people find positive information and positive, you know, like you just, you hone in on who has fixed themselves and who, and what do they do and how do they get there? Um, so it's, it's, yeah, I think, you know, part of that is just having an open mind and realizing that there's, there's a way out. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you say a, a way out because I I always felt like that's what it was. Like there there would be a way out or a way through this, and um, that's it's interesting you, you say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it and quite frankly, it's you know when you say that too. Now I'm a little bit more knowledgeable. Um, that, you know, and that's funny because my focus the last month has been, you know, to embrace the darkness and not be, I kind of realize that I'm, I still have some fears, you know, and I'm still moving through that. And it's like this fear of the darkness, this fear of, of letting go of let, you know, of allowing bad things to take over. Um, and what the pendulum swing? You know, that <laughs> talk talk more about that. What do you mean about the darkness and uh, and being okay with it? That's something that I'm I am I've been exploring too, and it's helped me a lot. Oh good. Um, yeah, tell me about it because it's it's uh, I always feared it too, fearing yeah. dark feelings, feeling dark emotion, and and now realizing like I can be a witness of these things. Yes. And yes. by witnessing, anyway. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell no, me more. No, I like I like that wording. That's really good wording, actually. Oh shoot, I don't have my book with me. The but um, but that's you know, as as you kind of you get that awareness of you know, there's an association. I was. I'm losing my words. So if I let me take a little step back. So as I, you know, the first big hurdle for me um, that I learned about through doing, you know, the AS challenge was discovering that, you know, life is unfair. And, you know, we're we're lucky. We're lucky. I mean, we don't get to choose where we're born, how we're raised, all of that stuff. That's just that's, you know, that's just how it happens. And so, so there's a, a huge gratefulness in that and realizing that life isn't fair. And then, cause I had really, I mean, I was angry, you know, I was angry at the world and why did I get this? And, you know, how did it become like that? And then once, once I had that um, permission that, well, yeah, life is unfair and everything's unjust and that's, that's life, you know? And I was like, oh. And like this huge wave of relief came over me. So that was a big first step for me to, to, to acknowledge, to be aware. And I, I still, even though this is like a little bit over a year ago, I still have days where I'm like, oh, I get really angry, you know, and, and it's like, and all of a sudden I'll be like, it's unfair. Life is unfair. And then I go, and I take a breath and I let it go, you know? And so, so that was a, that was part one. Um, and then, so now it's part two where I've kind of realized that there's this darkness, um, and there's this, um, there's this other, actually when I first started doing mindfulness, um, and it was someone else's recommendation in another group that there's this, um, I don't know what you call them. <laughs> like to me, Peter is a guru, even though he doesn't right. like that term, right. but yeah. you know, like, uh, a, a leader in a, in a way. Um, and it's a woman, her name is Sharon Kirsten and she had these free meditations. And so I would listen to that. And that's when I started understanding, you know, to like release it, to let it go, 
to, you know, how do you do that and when do you do that? And then she kind of recently, and she writes these long emails, but they're really fun. There's a lot of energy there. And, um, and she talked about, you know, embrace the darkness and there's the good and the bad. And, and Peter talks a lot about the pendulum swim, like one of the hermetic principles. And, you know, it's a, it's a back and forth process. And it just kind of clicked into my mind that, you know, when we say, and actually Peter and I talked about this just recently too. It's like, what does it mean when you allow it to happen? Like I, I was having a hard time understanding that. Um, I mean, everyone says, just let it go. It's easy. And it's like, it's not as easy as you would think it is. <laughs> it sounds really easy, but still, you know, there's that thing in your head that's like fighting it. Um, and and so it's like, stop. Like, the more you realize that, the more you fight it. But, you know, for me, a lot of it was feeling safe. Um, and and that's where like. And it's one of these things like as a child, I had night terrors like my dad would say stories of I used to run through the house screaming like it was bad. It was like I and I was completely unaware of this because I was a kid wow. and I have no memories of this. And, and I actually lived through it through hypnotherapy, which was crazy. <laughs> what do you mean by that? You lived through it through hypnotherapy. They um, what did they what happened? So through hypnotherapy, the the guy that I went to, they do this kind of regression. And so you focus on your pain and your feeling and you just let it talk. So you let it feel. Um, and it's really, it's, um, and of course I realize now too, I had a hard time with that because I had a hard time letting go. And so, you know, just letting things happen and allowing it and letting go, but but you're just in this state of such utter calmness that when things start popping, because it's like, all right, how are you feeling? What are you going to so go focus on that part that there's pain? And and for me back then, it was migraines. And you just kind of let it happen. And then you just you just walk through and you relive that experience. Wow. Um, yeah. That, it's really, that sounds it's, a lot like the work we do with the. Uh, with Peter, what we've learned through yes. Peter, yeah, to to allow, yes, to allow this to happen and to witness it and okay. to be the the watcher behind it. I guess that yeah. it sounds like hypnotherapy kind of train or trained you or tra yeah. trains us to step back and and witness it, it and just happen. let it happen. And that's weird. That's so it's, interesting. It's really it's really fascinating because it's really uncommon like uh you know definitely it's not something you can just go talk to your friends and say hey i did this hypnotherapy and i relived a part of my childhood like i saw myself in the crib you know like there's just it, wow. like there's things that are just unexplainable really like it, it's not logical it's unexplainable but but there is this cell memory that we have um, and you know, and it's, of course, like I didn't understand this when I was going through this process and I do now, like you just explained, of oh, what I was really doing was letting it happen, allowing it. Um, and then as far as, you know, working through the darkness, it's like, so, so I started thinking, 
well, why? Because I, I, I have like I have no problem falling asleep, <laughs> but I'll wake up like three, four times a night. Sometimes I'll be up for a couple hours, and I'll just have, um, you know, I've had these these what do you call it? Like ruminating where you're like dwelling on things and you're thinking about things and your mind just is a little bit wild. And, um, and so it's kind of like, I think I've, because of that, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of the night. Like I'm afraid of sleeping. I'm afraid literally, like literally of the dark and not realizing that. And so I've been fo- like, as I go to bed now, I focus on I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm loved and just reminding yourself of these, these good things. And it's like, oh, I sleep so much better and everything's so much smoother. And even if I do wake up, I'll be like, it's okay, it's okay. You know, like, I just woke up and it's okay and now I can calm mm. myself down and go back to bed and, um, so it's a much smoother process now than, but mm. this is like in the last couple of weeks <laughs> oh, okay right yeah. it's ongoing yeah. right ongoing like, definitely yes. and, and and amazing that I mean we haven't talked about um, your pain your you know how you're doing now I mean obviously you're doing great though amazing that Yes, these things still might be there, though you're we're processing it in a in a much different way. Yes. You know, with a degree of awareness, and that is enough yeah. to allow the pain to subside. Yeah. Where where are you with uh with pain these days? Or it's like very different, obviously. Um, it is very different. I did um last year through doing the the challenge with Peter, I was on Cosentix and I was on Plaquenil. And you were I on stopped. two biologics? Mm-hmm. Uh well the Plaquenil is just that hydrocolocaline. I can't ever say what it, it is, well, but that, I did yes. never come across that. The, well, they use it a lot for people with lupus and um as an anti inflammatory, but not in not like an NSAID or um, so it's really it's a drug that was made for malaria Mm. Um, and then they found that the people using malaria not using that were using this medication had less inflammation so they started using it for patients that had I mean it's a it's a fairly old medication at this point it's a really low level but it helped like if I felt like it helped my arthritis in my hands and um and so I, I kind of stayed on it. Well, of course, now it's being touted as the magic um, COVID cure, even though it's really not. It's been proven time and time again that it's not. <laughs> um, there's a lot. I mean, it's the same. It's like medications. You know, there's a lot with taking meds. Um, there's a lot of bad things that come with it. You know, all those commercials and you hear that big, long list of side effects. So. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so I quit that, um, and I feel overall like my pain is much less. It's much less intense. Um, I'll still have some headaches from time to time, um, and I'll just take, you know, a pill or something like that. And I'm not. I used to, you know, really beat myself up over it, and then. <laughs> yeah. You know, Peter was just like, oh, if it makes you feel better, it's fine. Like, they invented right. medicine for a reason, you know, like, it's not a bad thing. It's a helper. 
Um, and if you need a Band-Aid every now and then to make you feel better, then, then that's not the end of the world. It's when you become dependent on it is when you can't overcome it um, that this really becomes a problem. So, so I'd say that overall my pain is much better. I feel much stronger. I'm walking more. I'm still not really fully exercising per se. So that's the next stage of I'm going to start you know, I have some small weights and start building the weights back up and, yeah. um, and move, you know, work through that and get back to more bigger activities than walking, even though I walk quite a bit. But <laughs> Right. Well, I'm excited for you to do that. That was one of yeah. uh, my my favorite part parts of the process for me was getting back to exercising and not being afraid of it and, and yeah. working through it it's and it, you being such a physically active person I think you're gonna yeah you're really you'll love it it'll be fun like I don't yeah. I don't really necessarily need to go back to doing triathlons and doing massive intensive workouts and stuff like that but it's just just that feeling of being strong you know yeah that runner's high is basically what it is I don't know if you've ever ran but there's a little running the, there, you know, there's this feeling when you're strong and healthy and you just you feel like you feel invincible. And it's um, so I'm, I'm getting back to that. I still have, right. a little, I still have room to grow. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you know, a year. It's been a year. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're just you're getting better and better and yeah. stronger and stronger. And yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a, a journey or a, a process. Or, it really is. Yeah. yeah. And you're off medication. Yes. Yes. I am. You were on, you were on multiple medications for years. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was probably about four or five years that I was. Four or five years. It's a long time to be on biologics for four or five years. Um. Yeah. I'd say the biologics was about, yeah, three to four years. I'd say like to someone who's on those right now, and there's a lots of people, Mm -hmm. like to hear your story about coming off of multiple medications that you were on for four or five years and you're off medication and you're getting stronger. I mean that, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Better overall. And I've, you know, reintroduced foods and, you know, obviously with the wedding coming up, I wanted to be able to have regular wedding cake. (laughs) That was a big thing for me. I wanted to have regular wedding cake, not some special, you know, dairy-free, gluten-free, blah, blah, you know, grain-free, yeah. this-free, all that. I was like, I just, so I'm having carrot cake as my wedding cake. I'm so oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> good. And how uh, how was it uh, transitioning or reintroducing foods for you? Um, was that, it a little free? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was really scary. Um, and I still will have days where I'm going to be like, whatever, I'm eating whatever. And then I feel horrible the next day. And I was like, nope, I'm going to move through this. I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm not going to give up on it. Um, and you also have to realize, like, I haven't had certain foods in a really long time. So my so there is an actual physical reaction to it. And that's normal, you know. Absolutely. Um yeah, that's something that we have to be aware of when, like, when we take away uh, certain foods, common foods, for long periods of time, our body doesn't know what to do with them yeah. once you introduce them, and that's yeah. part of it for sure. Like and I, that, yeah, I was freaked out too. I was 
I was totally scared and like, what is this going to, I was terrified of eggs. Yes. To me, eggs were the scariest thing. Oh, <laughs> eggs and gluten, I was like, and beef. I was yeah. like, those things equaled pain. Wow. I eat eggs every day now, every day. Yeah. Do you? I haven't, I've had eggs every now and then. Yeah. Um, but they're not, they're not a mainstay quite yet. But okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the gluten, the gluten, I'm fine. I don't even Okay. Care. Right. I just I try not to eat that much of it just because then it expands your waistline. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, me too. I try to stay away from bread and bread and pasta. Yeah, it gets on there. It gets yeah. on there. <laughs> There's a little pooch that has come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's great though. What a what a great thing to uh, to have. Yeah. You know. Yes, I know. I'm grateful for my pooch now. <laughs> right. <laughs> My Molson muscle, like they call it in Canada. Molson muscle, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. So, um, what was one of the biggest things you could say you learned in the recovery challenge? Um, oh, there's a lot. <laughs> I have a giant notepad full of all that. Let me think. You know, like I said a little bit earlier, I think one of the biggest things was was having that acceptance, learning to accept, learning to allow, to let go, how the mind-body connection works together. Um, and, and you know, and I kind of joked about being okay with everything. Um, to be okay with everything, you know, to just have that awareness and understanding and acceptance. Um, you know, for me lately, it was differentiating between I'm okay I'm okay with everything but it doesn't mean that I have to put up with all of it <laughs> as right. the work the work life has been extra pushy the last few months and so I was like okay at what point do you say maybe they're not ready for this maybe it's a you know like there's there's a as you, you know, as you are in a time and a place, like I'm here for a reason. I'm learning. There's something to learn by what I'm going through. Um, so that's a big go-to for me now is to not panic. Um, and I was joking the other day with my team. There's a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where they're like, don't panic, you know, and it's this thumbs up thing. And because I'm a big nerd and I love all these goofy movies, but <laughs> and and I was like, don't panic. So so that's probably, you know, if I have to think about it, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is to just, you know, like, hey, this is okay. There's something to learn from this. Just be patient. Let it happen, and just breathe through it and remind yourself of what you're grateful for and focus on the positive. And it really does get easier and easier and easier the more you do it. You have a lot more of that reaction. So it's pretty. Um, but you need, I mean, to me, it was you need a guide. And, you know, you can, and I'm always like so amazed at how Peter could do this on his own um, through, you know, years of no internet. Like we have internet, we right. have podcasts and Zoom, and you have all this information out there. That's so readily and easily available. And, and you know, this is new. This is maybe 10 years old that we've had this technology, you know. 
And, and before that, like, how did you find other people that had AS and how did you talk to them and how did you, you know, it's, it's incredible for someone to made, you know, gone through that on their own. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. I yeah. mean, even, even he said like he, he wondered what had happened and then it was through, you know, the studying and everything that he realized and it made sense what he had done and then wanted to pass it on. Yeah, yeah. That's but great. I, I'd say having that, to me, having a guide was really crucial because I, I feel like I was just like spinning out of control with all of this information and there was just like, oh, there's so much, there's so much out there and, and you do tend, as human beings, we tend to focus on the thing that we're focused on. You know, what is it, um, I've been reminding myself lately, where where the focus goes, the energy flows. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're focused on negative things, then, you know, your energy goes into a negative place. Um, so so you tend to find the articles to support your belief, to support your what you're trying to do. And just focus on that rather than really look at the whole picture. Um, so to me, to have that outside guide to kind of help steer you to not just be here, but to, you know, to look at these different, but to bring it together for for us. That's, you know, for me, that was crucial. That's what I really was missing. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Because, I mean, really, he's even said and that and you just said all that information is out there. Like if someone wants to get better, the information's there. It's just in so many different places and there's so much of it. And what is what really works? Like mm-hmm. what are the specifics of that we that we need to know? Mm-hmm. And so it's all laid out. And um, yeah, for me, too, I was trying everything forever for like 10 years, everything oh, wow. I could find. And, you know, I was having symptoms for 26 years and, you know, like dedicated to healing for 10 and was driving myself crazy with all the different things that I was finding to try out and thinking I just found the cure and it was just mental it drove me crazy yeah and then, yeah to find someone with that clarity yeah and to know that you know there's a system and there's things that we can know and that we keep doing yeah continually yeah stay it's really, with it and it's really good to me that he's he's like nothing's wrong you know nothing's bad nothing's wrong it's all part of your learning process so going through you know just for people to be like oh I'm not anti anything I was gonna say what's the word he uses is that you know I'm not anti-medications I'm not anti-doctor I'm not to me and and I was fortunate that I had doctors that I could talk to um, a lot of them are not like that. <laughs> and so, and I would always be very upfront with them about, I believe in a blend of Eastern and Western medicine. Like, I think there's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a purpose for medications and then there's a purpose for natural therapies and you really want to work that together. And then even the rheumatologist told me, she goes, her patients that do the best are the ones that follow you know, a good diet, healthy eating habits and exercise. And she was like, hands down, those are the people that do well. Um, The ones that rely on just medications just don't do well. They don't ever get better and they don't, you know. Yeah. So it's really, it's really 
cool to know that there are some allies like that out there. And even when I, I told her that I'd stop my biologics, <laughs> right. I was I was like, okay, are you going to fire me as a patient? And she starts <laughs> laughing and she was like, no, I want to see that happen. I'm so excited to hear that that happen. And she's like, you don't want to be on biologics for the rest of your life. I don't want that for anybody. And it was like, wow, that's really refreshing because I don't think you hear that from the medical community very much at all. Yeah, that yeah. that is great to hear. Yeah, so there there are allies out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like you had really good support. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. It's interesting to hear you say you battled it for 26 years. So did you grow up with it, or did you? Yeah, I grew up. It came on when I was nine, and uh, in my hip, extremely painful, wow. and I had trouble walking, and no one knew what it was, and I just thought that was a part of my life for the longest time it was only 18 oh. when I got diagnosed so I had it for like a good nine years and I had no idea what was going on and and then as soon as I got the diagnosis it went right into my spine and just just everywhere else over the years and you know and I got to a point where I was just like I, I'm not gonna I'm not I believed that this was not going to be my fate and you know, I, I never really accepted that it was an incurable thing I just wow I um I definitely after a while realized that you know I got to start eating a good diet and change my diet and keeping active those things so like what your doctor told you I think is true and and it and if the you know for folks that are out there that are exercising and staying active and watching what they eat it's like yes that is a big part of it you know it's important for us to eat and behave like a healthy person and and they may be wondering you know what what's missing mm -hmm. i know there's something missing that i could be doing <laughs> yeah. and and yes yeah exactly pointing to your your head and uh -huh. that's it like there's something to do with our our minds that we can yeah. do a practice yeah it's like healthy healthy thoughts healthy emotion processing um healthy focus on 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 what is out there for us yeah and you know like to me that's different than you know because people will be like it's all in your head you just need to think positive and you think you're in it it's like no that's the worst thing you can tell someone because you basically told them they're crazy and and it's awful you know to have people i had some best some of my best closest friends that were like you're taking this to blah 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 and you just need to you know and it's like wow thanks for the support and it was it was really it was really awful to hear that and you know because people will be like oh just try yoga just do that without really understanding what they're really trying to say I feel is that you know there is a there is a spiritual connection um and and it's not go do yoga it's learn to breathe, learn to relax, learn to process your things. Um, and, and that's where the mindfulness I think is massive. And in, in such a, you know, it's so missing and I see, it, you know, the more you're aware of it, the more you can see around you how much it's missing in other people and how 
broken they are and how hurt they are and they're just you know muddling through life and then you know at first I was like overwhelmed by it and um because you have this like this gush of um of just this awareness and and it was and that actually became painful because I was like, oh, there's too much emotions around me and I can't handle it. <laughs> and so so that was really overwhelming. But um, but that's kind of when I, you know, when I put it to my head and I said, it's mindfulness. It's not it's not in your head, but your my, your connection is a big part of it. But, yeah. So do, what see, I'm kind of curious too. like, what was your guidance that you had or how did you, how did you have this belief in you? That... I, you know, I, when my rheumatologist told me that it was an incurable condition and that I'm going to be on medication the rest of my life and it's going to get worse, it's degenerative and gets worse. And because I was so young, she's like, you know, it's not looking good for you. I immediately, I had a strong aversion and I, yeah. I got very angry and yeah. uh, very upset. And I guess in the back of my head, I was like, there's got to be more. Like, there's no there's no way that it could be just that. Like, you're a doctor and you're telling me this. And uh, like, I, I just didn't. I knew that there must be something else I could do besides Basically. just take medication. You yeah. know, so, yeah. you know, I didn't I didn't quite. I mean, though I was still young and reckless and very reckless, and <laughs> <laughs> um, though you know, I I paid attention to it, and and then I got really serious about it, and I cleaned up my life, and I uh, I, I made the conscious choice to to get better, and uh, I knew it was it was what I could do, and it was the right thing for me. It was a a very strong decision. I think the the most obvious proof of of the mind body connection is stress, and we all know it to be true. But it's so true. We know instinctively when we're stressed, our body doesn't feel good. We can feel it in our body, stomach getting in yeah. knots, and shoulders rising up, and head cloudy and distorted, not thinking clearly. All these things and. So certainly, I mean, it does it does have an effect. There is definite proof that there's this connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Do you have more true. questions for? I was gonna say I may be running out of time here. Yeah, I, no, I think we've it. done a we've done a great job and. Uh, yeah. Been great to it's an easy conversation. It's been awesome talking to you about it. But. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to publish this. Yeah, yay! Thank you very much. Thanks That's so much. So wild Thanks. to me, like who in wildest dreams would have ever thought there'd be podcasts and conversations. I, uh, That's exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyone can be a, a broadcaster and can yeah. broadcast on one of our topics. It's pretty awesome. Um, okay, everybody, I wish you all a great day, and uh, thanks again, Anne, and. We'll uh, we'll catch you later on down the road. Awesome. Anytime. Take care. Thanks. And feel, yeah, keep healing. (laughs) Yeah, keep healing, everyone. Well, there you guys have it. Another episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Natural Health Podcast. Um, 
I am. I know I mentioned this before, but I'm seriously considering changing the name of this podcast. I think it's going to be called "As I Am Guided." Um, pretty sure that's the name. I know I've mentioned this before and changing the name, and I I haven't yet. I just um, you know, I think I think now's the time. Anywho, um, it's uh, it's a real pleasure and. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I certainly did. Um, you can feel free to give me an um, a, a, um, email. Throw me an email if you want to ask some questions about all this, how all this works, and you know, uh, or, or just let me know that you're enjoying hearing the podcast and appreciate it. I, um, it's so great to hear from people who, who do that. It uh, keeps me going. It's one of the things that keeps me going. Um, <clears throat> going not in life <laughs> and producing the podcast, I'd probably be okay. Um, um, regardless, I I think I'm I'm fine. Things are good. Um, you know, I, I was I was watching uh, I was watching this Netflix um series or movie called rising phoenix which is about the paralympics and you know i was thinking i was watching and i'm like man they should have a, an olympics for people with autoimmune conditions and um you know i i don't i don't even know if that would work it's it's like an autoimmune condition is so weird because it's invisible and people look at you and they see that you're fine and i think uh i think that's the stigma is or part of the difficulty is you don't <laughs> your ego is not validated for your condition now i actually believe that that's a, a blessing because it sort of stirs up the madness um and um and the conflict within us and i think that's kind of an entry point of where we get an opportunity to let go of our ego or maybe become aware of it um and uh it's it's in letting that battle go it's in letting the battle go of needing to be recognized or needing validation or needing anyone or anything exterior outside of us um, to to give us wholeness. So, you know, I, I was weeping when I was watching the Paralympics movie, The Rising Fitter. I was just bawling my eyes out. I'm just so overwhelmed by how incredible these people are. And, and their life, you know, it's different. It must, be, I have no idea what it's like to not have a limb or to be, to, to have cerebral, severe cerebral, oh my gosh, I'm messing this word up, cerebral palsy. Um, and, uh, I have no idea. And, and I'm blessed that I, that, that this is my, my scenario or was my case that it's an autoimmune con condition you know it's a very painful condition that 
you know, on the outside, you don't really see it. I mean, only if you have that full expression of the, of the, of the, of the, um, condition where you push right forward and, um, bones fused, you know, then yes, I guess folks can, can see what's going on though. There's, um, you know, a lot of folks obviously, thank God they don't, they don't get to that point. Um, and if you do, I am positive there's a, a, a an incredible opportunity for learning there too. So wherever you are, it's a gift. Um, and that's the other thing. I think I think I was really deeply offended the first time I heard that this was all a gift. Um, that that I may have chosen this, and, and I don't mean to get. Uh, well, I do. You know, I mean sometimes I think about reincarnation and things like that, and. And, and it interests me. I don't know if I believe it or not. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't have any definitive proof. I haven't had a near-death experience uh, to confirm anything like that. But I think the idea that I chose this, that I chose this, um, or it was chosen for me to have ankylosing spondylitis or a lot of pain or a lot of mental anguish um, at a very early age, you know, I think, I think, let's say I chose this. That's an empowering thing. You know, the other alternative is I'm a victim to it. Um, perhaps it's an attitude. I'm not. I'm not sure though. I think it makes sense because if if I was if I did chose this choose this in my life, it was kind of a wake up call. It was a a nudge in the right direction. And 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 when I learned that, you know. The, if I, when I was feeling pain in my body and when, when I was recovering and, and feeling pain is an indication that, that I wasn't on my life's purpose, that I wasn't living the life that, that, that truly aligned with all my beliefs and so that I wasn't living a truth, that that I was maybe wasn't being truthful. So what a great marker, you know, what a great uh, guide or gift. You go, oh, wow, okay, there's something that I'm ignoring here, I'm not being present. There's a lot of unconsciousness here, perhaps. And how can I shine a light here? How can I bring some attention to this area? And and then so you grow. Like training wheels, you know? Like, um, you know, you start falling off to one side on the bike, but you, you have this training wheel that lifts you back up. And I know it's hard to imagine that pain could be pain or mental emotional anguish could be a training wheel but it's there it's I believe it's there to catch us it's there to go to hit us in or to nudge us in another direction or to get us back in alignment um anywho it's uh it certainly is a um <laughs> a mind-blowing 
um, opportunity to grow. So I'm excited. And, um, and if you guys are interested in chatting, let me know. My email is uh, in the in the show notes or the description of the of the podcast. So uh, if you want to fire me an email, go for it. Let's have a chat, and um, and then if you want to talk more, we can figure out something that that works for us both financially. Um, and uh, I wish you guys a great day. It's a pleasure. Um, I got another one coming up pretty soon. Uh, another podcast coming up. I've already recorded it. Excited to produce it. Okay. Take care.